Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in. There is so much I want to say about this topic. I truly do not know where to start. I've got, oh gosh, half a dozen bookmarks in my Bible in different places. And I could talk about the genealogy. I could talk about the the culture and the way that the law was intended to protect women. I could talk about the New Testament and the way that Jesus actually interacts with women. And I think I'm going to do multiple episodes on this topic. So for this podcast, I'm going to read Proverbs 31. And I'm going to talk about just the things in this passage alone um, that encourage me about the way that God honors us and as female. And this is not women being better than men. And there is no such thing as men being better than women. We are all fallen short of the glory of God here, okay? This is to appeal to my feminist sisters for, not that I am a feminist, but to appeal to my sisters that Jesus and God being one and the same, he honors us and he has our protection in mind. And yes, he allows lots of horrible things to happen to people of all nations, genders, creeds, but he has a special place in his heart for the daughters of the human race. And first of all, in Proverbs, wisdom is compared to a woman. Both in Proverbs 3 and in Proverbs 8, wisdom is referred to as a she. And now, I know there are a lot of feminists who get worked up over God being referred to as a he. And I don't have a problem with that. And... I don't know why I don't have a problem with that. I, I mean, I just, I, but it makes sense to me why other people would have a problem with that, if that makes sense. I know that sounded a little repetitious. I need a drink of water. Hang on. So, in my mind, I have never been bothered by God referring to himself in the masculine And part of it is because growing up, I was always aware um, of these other elements of the scriptures in that God honored women. Um, So that's part of why I'm doing this episode and this episode series. Um, And in my mind, the fact that God refers to wisdom as a she kind of just balances it out in my mind. And he refers to, let me, let me actually go there. Okay. Um, Proverbs eight talks about wisdom crying out and Proverbs three, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, 
and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up, and clouds drew, drop down the dew. I just love that. I love how God refers to wisdom as a partner in how he created the universe. And there is no such thing as Mother Nature. I believe that is paganism. Um, And if you look at many of the world religions, there's very often this mother giving birth to a son, and then the son becomes the king, but then there's the mother. And it's, you'll find it in Egypt, you will find it in Rome, but that's not biblical. You'll find it in Catholicism, because when Christianity was becoming a big deal, they had all of these images of a mother with a son, and so they decided instead of letting instead of it representing these pagan goddesses with their male offspring, let it represent the Virgin Mary. And there's no reconciling paganism and Christianity. That's just let's just get that down in stone right here and now. Okay? Okay. However, I love this imagery of how the Lord gives credit to wisdom as being a partner in what he does in the world. And it gives, it just, it just warms my heart that God honors the female race in this way. Um, and some of the advice that I appreciate that has been given to my own husband is trust your wife's instinct. And, you know, there are times where my instincts are off and I need to listen to Ben. But I also appreciate when Ben listens to me. And this is, excuse me while I enter a very important rant, healthy churches listen. Healthy churches listen to all members. Healthy churches listen to their women. Now, I'm not going overboard here and saying that all women tell the truth and everything a woman says can be trusted because I know I've lied for God's sake. God have mercy on my tongue. I'm a people of unclean lips. However, what I am saying is that healthy churches listen. Healthy complementarians listen Healthy complementarian husbands listen to their wives. Now, there are, many, there are many women who have been hurt in the name of religiosity, in the name of complementarianism, in the name of the man being the head and the woman not being the head. Um, and that spiritual abuse and the pride and control that comes with that is absolutely abhorrent to me and I believe also in the sight of God um and I'm gonna go visit Proverbs 31 now that I've gotten some of this seesaw rant I'm trying to I'm trying to encourage and comfort and bless my egalitarian friends um and I believe I I have full respect for my egalitarian friends Egalitarians believe that men and women are equal in value. Now, that's an oversimplification, 
and you should let them define themselves better, but that's my understanding of egalitarians. Egalitarians believe that men and women are equal. Complementarians believe that men and women are different, and they complement each other. Healthy complementarians will also believe that men and women are equal in the sight of God. Personally, I have made peace with the fact that my husband has the final decision power in our marriage. The way that I mentally processed that was by looking at business structure. Yes, you heard me right, business structure. When you have a two-person business structure, one of the things that they do is they they divide it into 51% ownership and 49% ownership. So they have monetarily, they have nearly equal value of ownership. And the same is true in a marriage. We have equal value. We have equal investment in the marriage. It's all or nothing, baby. Here we are. In a small business or a large business, in a two-partner business, that 51% difference is very important because if the two partners cannot make a decision, it is the responsibility It is the previously agreed upon responsibility of the 51% partner to make the final decision and then be responsible for that decision. That's how I made peace with marriage. I heard one wife tell me that she thinks that men actually have a harder time than women do because they have the responsibility weighing on them if they make a poor decision. Now, it greatly encourages me to go and look at the book of Genesis and look at the way that Abraham messed up twice, passing his wife Sarah off as his sister, which was a half-truth because she was his half-sister, which was later contradicted in the in the Mosaic law saying, you shall not marry your half-sister. But, you know, things happened in our genealogy, and they're there for our example, and they're not, just because they're documented doesn't, and they're historical, doesn't mean that they are prescriptive, does not mean that we should go around saying, oh, the book of Judges prescribes fill in the blank, there's nothing good about the book of Judges. The book of Judges is the very sad story of why the sin of the Canaanites and the people of the Canaanites should have been completely eradicated because then the Israelites adopted their practices and they didn't know their right hand from their left and they didn't know what was moral and what was immoral and if the book of Judges is repulsive to you, it should be because everyone did what was right in their own eyes and they were wrong. That was a really long sentence, and it started with me saying that Sarah submitting to her husband Abraham's poor decisions, God still protected Sarah. That example, that principle in scripture gives me so much comfort. So much comfort. Now, yes, there's many stories in the Bible of women who've gone through horrible things. And it just about 
makes me want to tear my heart out. But <sighs> the good news is that Jesus is coming back and he will make all things right and he will vindicate everyone who is supposed to be vindicated and he will level the playing field and when we get to heaven and we receive our eternal reward, there will be no pointing fingers over they got that and I got this and shouldn't I have a bigger whatever because we'll just all be glad to be there and we'll be glad to be in the presence of Jesus, our God, our creator who loves us and he made us and he, oh, he's the best ever. So I'm trying to lean into that mindset of we are all in this together and we are all going to get through this and the pain and the struggle of this life is temporary and Jesus is going to make us make up make it up to us and the biblical verse I would like to reference for that Romans 8 28 all things work together for the good of those that's the plural now all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose by the way, I'm reading from the New King James Version today, and I don't know what the version was that I memorized and recited just was just there, but we're going to call it Meg's Memory Version, because I've been writing it on my heart and move on. That's kind of the point. I have a lot of Meg Memory Version that's based on the NIV, because that's what I grew up with, and then I went to the New King James, and now I'm on the ESV, but I also like to read the New Living Translation, and the Message Version makes me cross my eyes sometimes so I kind of leaned away from that but it's also nice to get another perspective but then I prefer to read commentaries but I don't have a lot of commentaries so I mostly avoid the message today is run-on sentence day because I have so many opinions I can't fit them all into one paragraph that no wait well maybe anyways I hope that was entertaining and with that it's time to read Proverbs 31 beginning in verse 10 Who can find a virtuous wife, for her worth is far above rubies? The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. 
her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. I think I'm just going to start at the beginning because it's, there's so much here. It's so beautiful. Um, a virtuous wife who can find the heart of her husband safely trusts her. He will have no lack of gain. That line there, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, was one of my prayers to God when I was single. And, um, well, Ben hasn't told me specifically. Um, I know from what he does tell me and the way that we interact that he, he trusts me with everything and that's that's a huge and precious responsibility um that I get to see the weak side of my husband um the soft side the the unsure side when he's thinking through something or he has a fear or concern um that's that's really beautiful and that's the kind of wife that I want to be is is where he's not afraid to tell me anything um, because he knows that I'm going to have wisdom and the law of kindness on my tongue. You know, if, if he goofs off and rubs me the wrong way, I'm not going to criticize him unnecessarily. I'm not going to bring it up two weeks or a month or however many years later and say, well, you said this thing, well, blah, 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 blah. We, we don't keep records in this house. There was one time I brought up a thing that bothered me. And it was because it provided context for why I reacted so strongly. And it, it wasn't to guilt or shame him. It was to provide context for why I... My reaction was so extreme. And I've talked about that in a previous podcast a few episodes back. But anyways... He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Like, like when I go shopping, I honor the budget because I honor my husband. Now, granted, I bought tulips for $8 today, and I didn't know what envelope in the budget it was going to come out of. But I also worked 52 hours in the last two weeks, and I'm justifying myself right now. We're on a COVID-19 lockdown, if you're listening to this in the future. So, I was just trying to make the most of my day out by buying grocery store tulips. And I have no regrets. Um, And I also know that a lot of my money in my spending account is tied up in plants that are going to go out into the church yard and eventually get reimbursed by check. And then I'll have more money in my personal allowance account part of the budget so I'm really not worried about eight dollars of tulips because I know how much money I'm I I did my expense report today for church and I have everything printed up pdf nice and I'm very very proud of myself and that would tie into the future where we talk about good business ship but we're over here 
on me doing good for my husband all the days of my life. I don't go out and do stupid things that will make Ben facepalm, that will make Ben resent that he is the accountant in our marriage. I, when I was sick with the flu, the first day I was, I had a hundred degree fever for three days straight, pretty much. I had so much pain that I kind of like rotated where I laid on the bed to try and disperse the heat. It hurt to stand up and walk. It was a proper migraine level, hundred degree fever. The only thing I did that day that was important. The most important thing I did that day was get the clean laundry basket from the living room, carry it to the bedroom, and put a certain type article of clothing in Ben's drawer so that he knew he had more clean articles of clothing in his drawer. I didn't even need to do the laundry because it was already clean. Now, some of you may say, well, if it's there in the basket and it's clean, he can search and find it himself. Yes, but I'm going to do good for my husband all the days of my life. And even with a 100 degree fever, I was capable of putting away just that article of clothing. Now, granted, that basket of laundry sat on top of the dresser for the rest of the week. But he was able to find his article of clothing in the drawer and that was what mattered. I did literally the very bare minimum, but it still blessed him. And I don't say this to toot my own horn. I say this as an example of, <sighs> you know what it looks like to do good for the people closest to you in your life. And if you're listening to this and you're single, practice that with your family. Practice that with your brothers or your sisters or your parents or your roommates. Practice that with the classmate who's next to you, who you're in a study group project with and they've earned your trust. You know, do good to the people around you. And be be wise about it. But, you know, if, if you think you're going to be this super great spouse and you're not investing in the people closest to you, sacrificially investing in the people closest to you, then I would challenge you on that concept. Because marriage is about learning to put the other person's needs above your wants, for sure, and in equal priority with your needs, and learning to prioritize which needs learning to prioritize both their needs and yours and sacrificing your wants and, you know, in worst case scenario, sacrificing your needs for their needs. But I digress. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Okay, this is the part of the chapter that overwhelms all the ladies. Like, who is this woman and why is she so perfect and why can I never be like her? Honey, this is a poetic hyperbole. It's a dramatic exaggeration. It's a list of examples. So instead of getting worked up and saying, I'm not in real estate, I've never planted a vineyard, calm down, 
calm down. She brings, okay, she brings her food from afar. Like, she's providing for her household, okay? There's two lines I want to point out. She rises while it is yet night. And then if you fast forward down, like, three verses, and her lamp does not go out by night. So, this lady, she's not burning the candle at both ends. She's too disciplined for that. She's either staying up late or sleeping in. I promise you. And she's got maidservants. She has help. Let me tell you something. I have no doubt. Like, yeah. Joanna Gaines is what made this chapter come alive for me. And she would probably blush if she heard me say that because she has blogged and I need to link uh okay note to self on paper Whoop. link to Joanna Gaines if I don't write these th- things down mid podcast they won't happen and y'all know that so Joanna Gaines has said in her own blog posts that there are so many things that she cannot do, that she has to let go of. And the things that she does have, she considers sacred. That's a rough paraphrasing. I'll probably just put the direct quote in the description because it's so beautiful. And it's such an example to me. I look up to Joanna so much. And she'd be probably like why are you doing that because it and like joanna just get over it me get over the fact that you're looking up to okay i feel embarrassed on my own podcast let's keep going <laughs> this is a list of examples so she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household she's packing her husband's lunch y'all that is love and a portion for her maid servants she's preparing snacks for the kids when the babysitter comes over and watches them for two hours so she can go look at real estate she considers a field and buys it from her profits she plants a vineyard you know she is thinking in the long term you know you don't have to be invested in real estate to let this passage be an encouragement to you the point is is that she's thinking with longevity she's thinking about how do i invest in the future the do you know how long it takes to grow a vineyard because i don't and i would like to find out and i'm sure it could easily take a few years I know the plants that I have out in my porch, it's going to take them quite a while to grow into maturity, to to put on all the blooms that I want them to see. I've got, I've got, um, the root section of bleeding hearts. It's a flower, bleeding hearts on my porch. And I cannot wait until that plant is until the base of that plant is like a foot wide and it just has all of these stalks with these pink blooms on the stem and it's just thick and lush and right now it is literally an ivy ivory colored root in a pot of dirt and there is nothing there is no sign of bloom there's nothing she is planting a vineyard y'all it's called foresight. It's called thinking ahead. It's called 
what can I do now to ensure the ongoing profitability of my family, my children, and my grandchildren? That's what this lady is about. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. Now, this one I could take personally because I have very skinny arms. But the point is, I have learned how to use my arms for what is most beneficial. There are women who have far stronger arms than I have, and many of them are my coworkers at my store where I work. I started a job. Did I tell you that? Since last podcast, I started a job. I've also started vlogging about it because I enjoy podcasts for more philosophical rants and I enjoy vlogging for more life blah stuff and intentional rambling. Intentional rambling. Ooh, that's delightful. Yeah, I'm writing that down. Yeah, okay. I have very pretty handwriting, but I can also write scribble like a doctor. So I'd say my hand cursive training is complete. Um, She perceives that her merchandise is good. Mm. This one personally speaks to me. Because I had to come to terms with the fact that my artwork is good. My stickers are awesome. My cards are really, really beautiful. And the the self-care lists and the soul care lists, those are really meaningful and important. And they have a place in the world. And... When you make something and you say, man, that's good, that would hold up at this shop or that shop, or my friend made us some orange-scented soap and sent it to us because it she was sending us a, a gift, and she said, this batch of soap turned out really good, and my goodness, that soap was divine. When you make something and you know that you did well, that's a good feeling. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. The implication there is that she is spending her time in what is going to be profitable for her family. She stretches out her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. Now I'm going to pull up up the ESV version here and see what their phrasing is because... One of the things about New King James that it gets criticized for is the clunkiness of the language. And I really felt that when I was um, reading this out loud. Um, Yeah, English Standard Version has the same thing, basically. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Okay, let me see if there's any context. Uh, The meaning is uncertain. The context indicates ability to make her own thread. Okay, that's helpful. So just because she doesn't have the beefy arms of a mechanic or a farm laborer who can, like, till the soil and do really difficult heavy lifting, she knows how to do fine needlework. Making your own thread, making quality clothing, it's called 
like just because my arms are skinny doesn't mean that they're not skilled doesn't mean that the energy and the effort they have aren't valuable I mean I think that a violin is a beautiful piece of wood and I also think that the train bridge made of wood is equally beautiful but they have very different purposes One of them is all about bearing up weight, and another is about making the world more beautiful. They're both beautiful. I appreciate the engineering and the structure and the beauty and the angles of the lines of the train bridge. Absolutely. But the beauty of that is in its strength, and the beauty of the violin is in its skill. And so I really appreciate that it talks about strength in this passage and then it gives example of skill strength and that warms my little heart let me tell you she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle she extends her hand to the poor yes she reaches out her hands to the needy she is not afraid of snow for her household for all her household is clothed with scarlet She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Y'all. Can you tell I've been living in the South for a while? Because y'all, this verse is important. What this verse is saying is that she is so competent running the business that her husband can donate his very valuable time and leadership to being involved in the community. Did you catch what I said there? She is so capable in running the family business that her husband can donate his time to be a leader in the community. Congressional offices used to be unpaid. Now, I'm glad that they are paid because it allows people to serve in that capacity that otherwise would not be able to. But in this culture, in the agricultural culture, you know, if you're not... Paul gets very, very blunt in the epistles. Those who don't work should not eat. So if you're being a lazy bum and you have the capability to get up and work and eat, to get up and work, you should do that. Now, granted, you know, take the Sabbath off. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know, six, even if you're working retail, Take a solid day off and do nothing once a week. It's biblical. It's healthy. I did nothing on Wednesday and I was still tired on Thursday. And it's Friday and I've been productive and I'm going to go do more things that are productive on Saturday because I'm off today and I'm off tomorrow. I'm going to go plant plants and then we're under curfew as of Sunday. Not curfew. We're grounded. COVID. We're COVID-19 grounded. Okay? Okay. But I have a paper to allow me to get to work. Anyways. It is this perspective that the wife 
is competent and capable is a very strong pushback to all the examples that I see of spiritual abuse of women where the woman can't make a financial decision without the man. The woman can't go shopping without the man. The woman can't go do this or do that. Y'all, the example here is the woman is so competent that the man doesn't even worry about it. Like, I feel so strongly about this, I don't know what to say. Just read the book, okay? Read the book. Get wisdom. Get wisdom and get understanding because it is so freaking worth it. And I need to address something from Proverbs 3 that I read previously. So in Proverbs 3, there's this perception, there's this emphasis that if you have wisdom understanding, her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, her gain than and or fine gold. Um, length of days is on her right hand, and her left hand riches and honor. Okay. Like, yes, money is referenced in this passage, but also there's an emphasis of wisdom is better than money. Wisdom will help you live longer. Wisdom will help you stay in business. Um, this is taken to an extreme with the prosperity gospel preachers who say, if you donate to me, God will, you know, just bless you out of the blue. And I, I used to live like there was going to be, you know, some some sort of chest of money that was going to fall down from the sky at some point and I was going to be this super cool person with money and and that's not how that works that is that is not how that works I would I I have been guilty of believing that lie and that fallacy and that's not how that works and what I can tell you is that learning the principles by which God ordered the world has given me so much peace and happiness in my life that I would not trade that for being stressed out and having a million dollars. No, you can keep your million dollars. I have a savings account and an emergency fund, uh, mostly thanks to my husband. Um, and I'm working hard and I'm at peace as much as it depends upon me with God and man and I'm not going to trade that sorry so um just wanted to clarify being a wise person does not automatically make you rich if you read Proverbs front to back which is actually very healthy for you if you read Proverbs front to back it will really like just don't worry about understanding everything. Just think about the things that you do understand and let God explain the rest of it as you keep rereading it. Um, but Proverbs, and I'm forgetting the verse exactly, but it's definitely in there. Better is a poor man who walks with integrity than the wealth of many riches. So better is... 
a simple meal of vegetables than, you know, a gourmet feast with delicacies where there's strife or, you know, a a contentious wife, you know, it's better to be on the roof than with a contentious wife and who's like a dripping faucet. That was an amalgamation. Amalgamation is a big word. That was a compilation. That was a a Frankenstein version of a lot of different proverbs. So just go read it yourself. You're big people. I have faith in you. Um, and I'm going to go back to Proverbs 31. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Um, I kind of skipped over this poor and needy bit because I was trying to get to that bit about the husband. But she practices generosity. You know, she thinks about the other people in the community. She's not self-centered. She's not small-minded. Um, yes, she's looking out for her household, her maidservants, her children, her grandchildren, the longevity of her family. But she's also thinking about the long-term... Um, interests of the people around her and I'm going to go on a tangent for a second intentional tangenting time so in the midst of COVID-19 my husband and I are in one of the most secure places that anyone can be in we don't have debt. And that automatically, along with being in America, that automatically makes us one of the richest people in the world. So that is a hugely humbling thought, number one. I do not take civilization or society for granted. As messed up as many of our laws here in the United States are in various things and there will always be injustice in the world but I'm grateful for civilization let me start with that so Ben and I do not have debt number one number two we have an emergency savings and we have a house savings we're not worried about making rent by any means we could sit in this apartment right now and we downsized our apartment from a two-bedroom to a one-bedroom we could make rent for the rest of our lease and not work. I'm serious. The rest of our lease. So, not that we would do that because that would eat into our savings account, but we're in a very secure place and both of us have jobs where he can do software long distance remotely and my job now granted it's part-time it's not a need my job happens to be part of the supply chain so both of us have like that is a huge privilege right there and I don't take that for granted but even if we couldn't go to work we would still be in a secure place financially the hardest thing for me in the midst of COVID right now I mean, besides Italy, okay? The hardest thing for me in the midst of COVID right now is thinking about the effect that this is going to have on the economy 
the effect this is going to have on families who did not prepare well for one reason or another. And I'm especially thinking about, you know, as various counties get grounded, um, sheltering is what they call it. Like, wherever you are, just take shelter. You're stuck there unless you have to leave for food. Um, I'm very much thinking about the dysfunctional families who are stuck inside four walls. And I'm praying for the policemen. And I'm praying for the the people who are going through unbelievable stress right now because they are cooped up with the abusers of their own family. And that breaks my heart. That's what's on my mind during COVID-19. You know, man's days are like a breath of wind. Not one hair falls from our head, but the Lord knows about it. Not one sparrow falls, but the Lord knows about it. And we are worth more than many sparrows. I just want people to know Jesus. And it makes me mad when foolishness and selfishness gets in the way of that. Um, but, you know, that's, that's called the journey. That's, that, those, that's the thorn and thistles of life. Um, and I'm really worried about people who... Okay, I'm going to take a tangent on my tangent. Hang with me. And if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. Just skip ahead a little bit. I'm worried about people who are addicted to soda. I'm worried about people who are addicted to caffeine. I'm worried about people who are addicted to cigarettes. But here's the thing. I'm worried about the people who are addicted to their 21st century lifestyle to the point where when we have the end of days come upon us and Revelation says that you will not be able to buy or sell without having the mark of the beast, uh, I'm concerned for my brothers and sisters who are still addicted to caffeine. Like, do you think that that's, you're going to get a heads up that you should start weaning yourself off of caffeine? Because if you're waiting for a heads up on that, this is it. This is your heads up that you need to scale back from five cups a day and just start doing like four cups and then start making them like three quarters calf and then work your way down to half calf like don't like don't do this cold turkey unless you have two weeks to hold yourself up with a screaming headache i mean maybe this is what you need to go through right now because we are in covid i mean 10 people listened to my last podcast, so I don't even know who I'm talking to right here. Um, But the point is, if you're waiting for a heads up to not be addicted to something, my my concern with addictions, I'm not concerned about the health ramifications, and I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about the benefits of caffeine, because yes, I love caffeine, there's definitely benefits to them. Um, but there's also cons, and they burn up my undermethylation, and that's beside the point. The point is that 
I am concerned about anything that gets in the way that, that the enemy could use to distract me from obeying Jesus. And if being addicted to caffeine could potentially get in the way of you obeying Jesus, then I'm going to have to call Hebrews 12 on you, set aside everything that holds you back from pursuing and running the race set before us. And we've, we're surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses. All, the, all of the godly people of the Bible, Moses, Aaron, you know, both of the Tamars who I cannot, I don't even know how to talk about Tamar 1 and Tamar 2. Like, I just, I just, I can't even. I can't. I'm not ready yet. Like, makes you want to rip my heart out. Um. And then judges. Oh, God. No. Um. Where was I? What was I saying? Yes. Okay. One of those days. This is a sign that I need to really finish my thought and wrap up this podcast. Because I'm wearing myself out. All of the godly people of the Bible, when we walk through those pearly gates, they are going to be cheering us on like, yeah, you made it. Yes. Like, dude, seriously, the black and white checkers of the finish line of heaven are going to be gold pavement and pearly gates. And Moses and Abraham themselves and Elijah are going to be standing there cheering that you made it in. Dude, I want that. I am trying to live my life like Jesus is coming back. And I'm going to cross that finish line and be like, yes, I am so glad I'm here. I am so glad I put up with all that garbage. I am so glad that I trusted in God's goodness and that I satisfied myself in God's goodness because he is so good. Jeremiah something or other, my people shall be satisfied by my goodness. Let me find this, because this is really good. I think it's Jeremiah 30. Aren't you glad I have scripture to interrupt my ranting? Uh, No, not not Jeremiah 30. Um, 31. Yes, the one that has significantly more happy green underliner. Green gel pen underliner. Uh, Two different tones, I think, actually. Um, this chat, the headline of this chapter is the remnant of Israel saved. Mm. Mm. That right there is like a blanket and a warm mug of tea. It's just like, oh yes, the remnant is saved. So those really, really selfish Israelites who we have plenty of examples from in the book of Judges. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're gonna go to hell cause they didn't believe in Jesus the Messiah and they were not at the same time says the Lord I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people thus says the Lord the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness Israel when I went to give him rest the Lord has appeared of old to me saying yes I have loved you with an everlasting love Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. 
Again I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tambourines, and shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall yet plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food, for there shall be a day when the watchman will cry upon Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. That bit just blesses me so much. Oh, there's so much about all of scripture that blesses me. Um, and I'm going to continue with Proverbs 31. That was Jeremiah 31. This is Proverbs 31. Okay, back to home base. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Part of the strength of woman is more than physical. It is the mental fortitude. And mental fortitude, you know, can be developed by men or women. Um, but it's, it's, particularly, it's particularly beautiful in women because... It is, it is, it is showcased by our inherent physical weakness. And if you want to get on that rant, men are in general stronger than women and women are in general not as strong as men. And yeah, our hips are shaped differently. Okay. It's science. Do we need to argue about this? I prefer not to argue about this. Okay, good. Strength and honor are her clothing. Like, honor. Like, a woman, a Probs 31 woman, carries herself with respect. I I went for a walk with Ben today, and I I decided to sit on a, on a bench and think for a minute. Um, and so he went home first, and then I was out by myself. And... I realized I, I worked through the emotional kerfuffle in my head and made peace with, with that, which was good. And then I realized I need to come home and record this podcast. So as I was walking home, um, I was walking along the road and I realized I can look at the trees, I don't have to look down at the ground, because I know the ground is flat where I am. I don't have to look down in shame, I can look up. And you know what's interesting is that, so I, I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole the other night, um, and I watched a few Day in the Life of a Model videos, I think their um, Diary of a Model is the actual term of it. Um, one of the things I've noticed about models is that the good models always have a mantra to get themselves into a confident frame of mind before they walk the runway or before they go out for pictures. It is, they are ultimately, they're not selling clothes. They are selling the confidence with which they have when they walk with the clothes. 
And recognizing that has really freed me. Um, Number one, it's freed me from worrying about what I wear. And it's challenged me, number two, in thinking, okay, what what is my confidence based in? Because I'm I'm seeing this woman look in the mirror and say to herself, I'm an angel, I'm an angel, I'm an angel. And I'm holding my head in my hands, just questioning, that's all you have to say to yourself? Like, I respect the dedication that goes into being physically fit and having the discipline to put yourself in the frame of mind to be a confident woman. However, there is so much more to strength and honor than being able to smile and walk in six-inch heels where wearing lingerie. There's so much more to womanhood than that. And honestly, those women embarrass me. It it makes me sad. Like, they are lovely people, some of them. I have watched Carly Kloss's YouTube channel on occasion. I've... I watched that profile on a Victoria's Secret angel. And she's a lovely person. And she has, you know, some good morals. But I know for myself, I couldn't walk out on the runway wearing underwear. I'm called to a different standard. Maybe her conscience is clean doing that, but I don't answer for her. I answer for me, and I'm only responsible for me. So, But I digress. So strength and honor are her clothing. And as I was walking along the side of the road... I realized that I could look at the trees and I realized that as I was walking and as I was looking at the trees, I needed to say something in my mind so that I would continue keeping my gaze lifted and not looking down so that I would walk with confidence. And I started saying things like, I love Jesus and I love songbirds. And eventually, I landed on a phrase that I've talked about in a vlog. And the phrase is, let there be art. And if you haven't seen that vlog, it's in my second season of my vlog channel vlogs. And I will put a link in the description. So... Um... Because if you only watch one of my vlogs, that would be a good one because that was a huge epiphany for me. Let there be art. Oh man. It's completely changing the way that I approach painting. I haven't even painted yet. And I know that it is going to completely change the way I approach painting. It's already changing the way that I walk. (laughs) Let there be art. You know, that is me walking in obedience to who God made me to be. He made me to be creative, and I am 
praying that and speaking that and trusting that he will take this frail life with all of its foibles and jealousies and anxieties and small-minded pettiness mine yes my small-minded pettiness i am praying that he will take my life with all of my insecurities and use my creativity to bless so many people above and beyond and thanks to the internet and all of the resources that we have and capabilities that we have today i have full faith that that will happen if not within my lifetime then immediately afterwards which is fine by me because I'll be hanging out with Moses and Elijah. Peace. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Well, I think uh, my last rant kind of explained that. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is a law of kindness. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, I, I continue to learn to speak with wisdom. I have vlogs about that also on that playlist. So, um, and on my tongue is a law of kindness. See, this, this verse in juxtaposition with calling people out, as I'm called to do because of Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel 2 and 3, you know, do not be afraid of them and their words, for they are a wicked generation and they're not going to listen to you, but I'm sending you to speak them anyways so that they know that I sent you to tell them. And don't worry, I'll make your forehead like Flint. Again, Meg memory version paraphrase. It is my hope and my prayer that I can both be a kind person, even as I especially when I rebuke people. That is my prayer. And I'm slowly getting better at it, I guess. I don't know. You'll have to ask them, but at the end of time. And there's no report card for that. It's just the treasure in heaven when we get there. She watches over the ways of her household. Okay, this was previously not underlined in my Bible, but I would like to underline it right now and just observe that I am constantly looking for better ways to organize my home so that it can be more clean, more tidy, more efficient, more welcoming. See, you, I have had a beautiful, tidy home, but there were boxes of junk hidden underneath in all the storage. It was not organized, it was not functional, it was not productive, it was pretty, and it was welcoming, but it was not fruitful. It was not in a good place of strength. And so I am constantly looking for ways to better organize my home. Like, we just bought a bookshelf for my side of the bed that I'm now using as my nightstand. And the bedroom is immediately so much more tidy because... I have um, two storage bins on the bottom shelf. I'm obsessed with storage bins. It's a little unhealthy. I've had to restrain myself from buying more storage bins. But every time I see a, a storage bin, 
inside I am I'm basically salivating because I know what they represent they represent beauty and order and harmony and tidiness so I have two storage bins at the bottom of my ladder and then I've got a tray and I've got a little decorative box and I've got a clock and I've got a notepad and pens and I have some decorative items at the top and I have I have my bible propped up my new king james because it has a hard spine um my bible is propped up on the second to topmost shelf and that way I see it more often and I read it more often that is one way in which my home is more functional and productive and fruitful and yeah I already I already said all those adjectives but the point is she watches over the ways of her household I'm always looking for better systems to make things better I have a gift for organization at my job I've been nicknamed the labeler for good reason because I found the labeler at work and I figured out how to use it and I promptly used it and If we run out of receipt paper at the front of the register, it will not be during my time there ever again. Just saying. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. My gut instinct that that must have been like some like poor lazy man's bread that was what lazy people ate. But like this verse can be really, really difficult for people with health issues. So I'm reading this as someone who is taking custom vitamins. I am healthy. I am doing my breathing exercises. Uh, Yes, I still have elevated yeast levels in my stomach, but I am slowly making progress with that. If I was reading this and I was someone who suffered with daily migraines or debilitating pain or a quadriplegic like Joni Erickson Tata, I would have to take these examples and filter them through what does industrious look like in my life for me and industriousness for Amy Carmichael at the end of her life was being bedridden and praying and leading that ministry from her bed at the end of her life and if that's a path that God has for me, or if that's a path that God has for you, I know he will give grace for that. It's not about physically being strong. It's about being wise with the time that is given to us and being diligent and knowing when to work and knowing when to rest and not feeling guilty about either. Or if you're working and you have a bad attitude, it's about knowing to push through the bad attitude and ask for help. (laughs) Jesus, help. Okay, we are at the end of this chapter. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. This may be hard for the woman who you have kids and they're not doing that. And you're like, okay, can I get some credit here, please? I've been working really hard. And I'm just going to speak for myself. I'm 30 and I'm finally beginning to appreciate my parents. 
So just hang in there. Um, the only comparable example I can give you is that I have learned to not expect affirmation from people when I confront them about how I confront them. So when I have conflict with someone and it's, I feel like it's like, I need to point out, Hey, this is not okay. They don't automatically turn around and say, you did such a good job telling me I needed to change. And I've had to learn very painfully not to look for that and not to expect it. And so if your children are of the age where they are still learning discipline and learning to choose wisdom for themselves, they're probably not going to be super complimentary just yet. So um, I'll be praying that God sends other people into your life to encourage you outside of that. And especially if your husband is not affirming you in that, the way that you feel like you need to be affirmed. Um, Because this verse, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. If your husband is not verbally affirming you the way that you feel you need, I'm sorry. That's hard. And for as much as I compliment our marriage, yeah, that happens in our marriage where I want Ben to understand XYZ more and I want him to praise and affirm me more. I want him to affirm me for the way that I confronted that person over there. But he doesn't always have the emotional resources for that. And he does praise me. He literally sings my praises and it's quite delightful and humbling and sweet. But sometimes I look to my husband for things that I need to lean into God more for and trust God for. Um, And so if you read this and it just makes you feel resentful of your family, I'm going to be praying for you because you've got things that you need to work out on your own. And I have faith that if you're listening this far into this podcast, that you're the kind of person who has a commitment to doing that. I believe in you. I have full faith that you and God, mostly God, are going to work this out. And if you ask him, he will give you a fresh perspective that will help you release the bitterness and the resentment and the hurt. Because God understands all the context for all the things. That's one of the reasons why he's so patient. And that's one of the reasons why he can't explain why the universe is the way that it is. Because we would be here for a while. If you think you, if you think me explaining things long and in detail is tedious. Like, imagine if I was the God of the universe. Thank God, no. But imagine if I knew all the things. I would tangent all the time and I wouldn't know where to start and yeah, that would be bad. I'm glad I am not God. I would be terrible. (sighs) Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And again, in the positive sense, 
this is meant to be hyperbole. Hyperbole is when you say, these pair of shoes are the greatest things ever. That ice cream was the best food in the world. That's hyperbole. It's spelled H-Y-P-E-R-B-O-L-E. And hyperbole is the greatest thing ever. I've heard somewhere it's on a t-shirt and I need that t-shirt. Because it's the greatest t-shirt in the world. (laughs) Not really, but it's hyperbole. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And in this sense, the husband is praising the wife because he's saying, in a sense, I am married to the best woman ever. And, like, isn't that what you want on your coffee mug? Best wife, best mom ever. So this is that mug at the end of this chapter. And then we have... The classic verses, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. There's nothing wrong with charm and there's nothing wrong with beauty, but they are both, charm can be used to manipulate and as can beauty, and beauty is, physical beauty is short-lived. But a woman who cultivates love for the Lord and a reverence for the Lord, she's always beautiful. I think about the matriarchs in my church and um, those women just glow. And like when they look in the mirror, they see wrinkles and they see things going on on their faces that were not there when they were 20. But when I see them, I see white hair and wisdom and patience and kindness and goodness. And those women, one of those women took me out to coffee to ask me not to say a certain word. She also told me that the word crap in her generation is a swear word. So I've stopped saying that word, except for examples. And that woman was so patient and giving me feedback and just gracious. I want to be more like that when I grow up. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. The karmic principle is originally from the Bible. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. And in this passage, it says, Give her of the fruit of her hands. There is a warning previous in Proverbs that says, The foolish woman tears her house down with her own hands. And that terrifies me. There are women who are so foolish that they're criticizing and they're complaining for what they don't have and taking for granted what they do have and they are tearing their house down with their own hands and this is a direct contrast to that the woman who is practicing wisdom and a reverence for God give her the fruit of her hands there is so much prosperity coming from her diligence that 
it is able to come back and bless her. And I also think of the verse in the Gospels where Jesus says in response to the Pharisees, you know, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking and they said, ooh, he has a demon. And then the Son of Man, Jesus referencing himself, came both eating and drinking. And they said, the Pharisees said, ooh, he's a glutton and a friend of sinners and drunkards. And then Jesus replies and says, Jesus comments on their opinions and he says, Wisdom is justified by her children. Another translation says, Wisdom is justified by her actions. And so, just because something doesn't make sense to the elite or everybody or what have you, God knows and God will make sure that the results will come back and be a blessing and will defend the wisdom of those actions. This has been Jesus Loves Women, episode one. I have no idea what episode two will be about, but tune in for that sometime. I'm sure I'll be talking about it. In the meantime, my name is Meg, and I love my Jesus, and I believe in living inside out. Now it is your turn. Go live it. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode 10 of our series on friendship, inventory, and budgeting. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. 